Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. You are listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction Blog Talk Radio Show, founded to increase the national awareness of black women in the construction industry. NABWIC is the charge and takes the charge for black women to advocate for further opportunities to its members. Our mission as a core foundation is to strengthen the building blocks of new educational, entrepreneurial, professional, and social network connections. The vision of NABWIC is to build long-lasting strategic partnerships with first-rate organizations and individuals that will provide groundbreaking and innovative solutions for black women in construction and their respective communities. We invite you to call or text or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Good morning. This is Ursula Odom, your host for NABWIC Talks, and I welcome you to what will be a wonderful show, because it usually is, because we have great guests, and today will be no exception. In fact, there's a surprise for you that I really think you will enjoy. Um, I am the CEO of Sula2, and we make old, new, and everything we do in that we capture, preserve, and present legacy information in any form possible. And that's why I like what I do, because we get to bring the stories to you of members and people who are associated with NABWIC that can benefit our members. Today we have what I indicated is something that I'm really excited about. We have been bringing to you people that benefit NABWIC, even though they were members, they were focusing on the things that they um, bring to us that the whole membership can benefit from. But this is also a benefit to members, meaning that you can talk about your company, and that's what you're going to hear today. But to tell you about that and to introduce the guest today, our chairperson of NABWIC Talks Committee is Jada Williams, and Jada is going to share the details about what you're going to hear today. Good morning. Good morning, and yes, I'm Jada Williams, your trusted advisor, owner of KISS LS Inc., providing healthcare insurance and financial service, services business and individual consulting since 2013, servicing over 2,200 clients. Today, our new member guest is going to talk with us about her transition into her career as a project engineer educational background, and professional experiences, along with sharing her entrepreneur goals as a small business owner. Ms. Taylor Luckett is one of our new members from the NCR area. Taylor is a project engineer at Holder Construction, where she coordinates construction projects from time of award to project turnover including on-site trade management, material coordination, and cost management. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Construction Management from the University of Houston. Taylor believes in lifelong learning and development. She knows that any skill can be learned, and everyone was once a beginner. So thank you and welcome new member, Ms. Taylor Luckett. 
Okay. Jada, thank you. <laughs> Great. So, Jayla, um, to get us started, tell us a little bit about who you are and how did you arrive at this point. Give us a little bit of your background and, and the process you went through, the journey that you've taken to this point. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so it, it has not been a point A to point B journey, um, as I'm sure is, is the case for many people, but um, it's been a journey of a lot of lessons, and ultimately I'm happy with where I've ended up. But uh, my journey started in Maryland. I was born and raised in Southern Maryland and moved to Houston um, on an academic scholarship to get my education and absolutely fell in love with Houston. I loved the people there and, and the energy there. And it was there in school I actually started uh, to pursue architecture um, because I, I enjoy drawing and I've always been artistic. And as I started taking courses, I realized I do not like architecture. I cannot see myself doing this. And from there, I went to civil engineering where I just knew, you know, it's more, more problem solving, more hands-on. And much to my surprise, it wasn't. I disliked it even more than I liked disliked architecture. So um, when it was time for me to transfer universities, I did some more due diligence, some more digging, and stumbled across uh, construction management. And it was just like a light bulb went off for me. Um, I had never heard of it. You know, I had only been exposed to architecture, engineering, and, and even through high school and growing up, that's all I really heard about. So reading about construction management, it seems like every bullet point, I was like, yes, that's what I want to do. That's what I can see myself doing. And um, fast forward a few years, and, and that's what I ended up doing. Construction management is that, that bridge between architecture and engineering. So it's been a perfect fit. And, I mean, along the way, I found a lot of new hobbies, new friends, and was able to start a business. So it's been a great journey. So when you talk about that bridge between the two, um, give us an example of what you're really talking about. What is that bridge? Sure. Sure. So as a construction manager, you know, we're not responsible for designing the building for the way it looks or, you know, the facade on the outside. That's not our realm. And our realm is also not uh, knowing the load bearings or the statistics or um, the buildability of a building as far as, you know, the, the structural integrity goes. Our role is really bringing that design and bringing those approved um, you know, those approved engineering designs together and saying, okay, now we're going to put, put our hands in the field. We're going to actually bring the materials to the site to build what the architect designed and to build what the engineer has approved as, as a, you know, structurally, structurally uh, you know, sound. So we are that bridge that sort of brings that design to reality. Um, and that's, that's about, I like to put it that way, just because a lot of people don't know what construction managers do, and I think they have that hard hat and vest image, but it's like, all right, now what? So it's really, um, it's getting those materials to the site and actually putting them in the ground, putting the bricks together, putting the, the steel together, um, and managing that process. Now, as a NABWIC member, a new member at that, tell us about how did you become aware of NABWIC, why did you decide to join, and what have you found since you've joined? Okay. Um, I, so I moved back to um, 
you know, after college, moved back to the Northern Virginia area or the NCR region and just felt like I didn't have a lot of friends and know a lot of people in my field. I didn't know anyone that was doing what I was doing. Um, everyone that I had met, I knew from Houston. I knew from being in school and even in Houston, I was in the women in construction um, group. And that just, it was a great experience. I got to meet a lot of people and like-minded in- individuals. So moving back to the East Coast, I came here. I was like, wow, I made this big move. And, you know, I followed my gut to come here. And now I feel alone. You know, I don't see people who look like me in my field. And I just really was motivated to network. Um, and, you know, I, I, I put it on my vision board and everything. I'm going to network. I'm going to find um, a mentor. I'm going to find someone that I can mentor. So I really um, jumped into NABWIC with that in mind that I wanted to just meet like-minded individuals and network and, and just make some new friends. And it's been nothing but good experiences so far. So it seems like I made the right choice. Well, we think you did. <laughs> so my question, when you said uh, people that look like me and um, knowing that this is black women in construction, up to this mm-hmm. point, what challenges have you experienced with either people that look like me or the fact that you're talking about women too? So you have a, a double um, way to answer that question. Yeah. Yeah, it's a double challenge, that's for sure. Both are, um, you know, have their own experiences in their own right, being a woman and also being a, uh, being black. So being a black woman is like, okay, you know, take the bull by the horns. And I've been a black woman my whole life, so I'm no stranger to being the only black woman in a room, um, you know, going to private school growing up, that was the case, going to even the, the extracurriculars I enjoyed growing up. I was the only black woman Um and then, of course, in, in school as well, I mean, in college as well. So I'd say a lot of the challenges, um, I've been fortunate that I don't feel like too many of them are based off of my being black, but I will say being a woman, automatically the picture is painted that, you know, we're too, too I don't want to say prissy, but we're too, um, I'll just say prissy, or clean and tidy and, you know, don't want to get dirty, don't want to break a nail. And I'm also not, you know, the, the few women that I have met in construction, the majority of them are not the, the hair and makeup, nails, heels. They're not about any of that, which is beautiful in its own right. And um, sometimes that's me, and sometimes I embrace that I am a beautiful black woman. And, you know, there's a misconception that you can't be both beautiful and intelligent and and good in construction, like, you know, pick one or pick two, but you can't have it all. And I'm just here to shatter that mentality. You know, I'm a walking testament that you can be all those things. And I think it's important that, you know, no matter what people think, that, that I stay true to myself and that I don't try to fit in. And I can't tell you, you know, a very specific challenge I hear quite frequently is, Oh, you know, you'll they'll they'll push you to the edge, or wait one day you'll blow up and you'll get mad. I can't wait to see you mad, and that's just—it's not my demeanor, it's not my personality. That's not how I handle conflict. That's not how I handle, you know, uh, conflict resolution. So I think it's important, you know, when faced with that, okay, are you with us or are you going to be, you know, are you going to be over there like yourself? It's it's important to to remain true to yourself and just um, make them. You know, not everyone's going to accept you, but you have to accept yourself. So 
Um, that's been a major challenge, you know, people trying to push me to be a little bit more mean or burly or, or what have you. And I'm just, you know, I'll kill them with kindness and I'll, I'll use what I need to to get the job done, but I don't, I, I won't be taken to that level unless I want to be. So. Well, actually, I want to go a little bit deeper on that because you, you, you mentioned the term that has a visceral effect for me. Um, that's conflict resolution. I remember when I was in college, I took a class called Conflict Resolution, and we went through a book that I tell you was three inches thick. And I remember what that book looks looks like to this day because it was so hard getting through it. All of those historical examples of, you know, techniques of wartime and all of this kinds of stuff, right? And finally, the at the end of the class, the instructor summed it up and said, well, the best way to resolve a conflict is to find a common enemy. So when I hear that, I, I actually I got angry. I said, did I go through this entire thing just to find out that all we have to do is find somebody that we both hate? Well, I didn't quite like that. But so now I'm asking you, when you think of conflict resolution, what are some of the tools that you actually use? Great example. Wow, I'm, I've heard that too, uh, you know, that, that a common enemy brings people together. Um, the main tool and focus of mine is to, you know, eyes on the prize, eyes on the goal, eyes on what is the end result that we're trying to get to. Because as many times as I've seen people point fingers at women or side eye women for being emotional, men are right up there at the top of the list, you know, and, and don't always communicate what exactly they're trying to say and, and maybe, you know, are speaking out of frustration or have been sidetracked by a smaller, um, you know, a subset of an issue versus focusing on this is the issue at hand and this is the end goal. And I've seen a lot of bridges burned by being distracted. Um, so I would say my, my tool is definitely um, to keep a level head because once you start yelling, people don't, people stop listening. Um, and to, to focus on that end goal, absolutely. All right. So speaking of goals, for those young people, students or individuals that would like to follow your path and become a project manager or, or move into the industry that you're in, what are some advice, what's some advice that you may give them in order to um, navigate to that career? Mm-hmm. And I would say definitely brush up and just try to – your time management – you have to have time management. Um, and it's not just knowing what it is and, and thinking that you have it. It's knowing where your time is going and what is important in the day because there's constantly going to be a fire drill. You'll be pulled left and right. So being able to manage um, your time uh, in, in, the, in, the work, you know, in the workplace. But the flip side of that is to also make sure that you're focused on what your personal goal is and not getting – caught up in the company that you're at. It's important to be a, a loyal employee and to do your job and to do it well, but don't put yourself and your own health and, and um, well-being on the back burner to that. So time management professionally and personally um, is a big one. And then I would also say for 
um, people interested in becoming project engineers or managers that you have to be, and this is something I'm learning the longer I'm working in the industry, is that you have to be proactive with the way that you think about problem solving or, you know, being proactive versus reactive. If you're reacting to the issue, then it's, it's too late. <laughs> it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you some stress, um, maybe some tears to get back to the point where, where things are okay again versus if you're proactive and can, can sort of see the problem coming, then you can avoid it or at least mitigate, you know, mitigate it. Um, so those are the two big ones, definitely time management and proactive thinking. Now, an, another way of asking a similar question, I guess, is that when you were talking about um, the third move that you made in terms of the career in your head and, and what you were pursuing, and you had this checklist of things that met your personality type um, and that helped you determine that this was the right place to be, what were some of those things? Like the reason I asked this question, and I'm not, this is going to be kind of out there, but a friend of mine um, had this this thing about everything lining up, right? So where when a sofa was not absolutely parallel to the line and the tile, had to straighten that thing up, right? <laughs> so that could be annoying to some people, but it, I could see where it would be absolutely beneficial to someone that's in architecture, mm -hmm. which he was. So my my point is, what are some of the things that you knew that are that you that help you determine that you were heading in the right direction? So what were those things that you checked off? Mm -hmm. um, I would say that interaction with people. I'm I consider myself a people person. I like to talk. I can befriend people. <clears throat> excuse me, pretty easily. So making sure, especially coming from um, pursuing engineering where I felt like no one talked to each other and it was every man for himself and, you know, don't look over here. Like we're not here for friends. We're here to, to pass. And you can do both, you know. So going into the construction um, field, it was, you know, one of those boxes that was checked was being able to maintain um, relationships with not only your coworkers because we're constantly working in teams. There, aren't, there is no I in construction. Everything's done as a team. So working with coworkers, working with um, potential clients, um, you know, that extensive list of who you'll end up working with, but that really in interested me. I don't want to be um, tucked behind the desk and, and not talk to anyone. So definitely the social aspect, but also um, I would say, you know, you mentioned your friend having to, to have that almost OCD, like perfect, you know, lighting up of things. <laughs> For me, it just made so much sense the way that construction is logical. You know, it's sequential. If you start with this, then you do this. And it's, it's mapped out like a book. There are no real, you know, sharp left or right turns. And if there is, it's, you know, it's a problem. But um, usually within construction, it's, it's, predict uh, it's predictable. And um, that interested me, being able to just, you know, know what I was getting myself into. It just made sense. Um, and I mean, that it was a long list of things I checked off on that. I remember just seeing everyone and, and feeling like it spoke to me. I know one of them is, I'm not sure if it was on that list, but just knowing that what you build comes into fruition, 
you know, all the time that we put in, and we do work long hours, so all this work, I wanted to see something come of it, and the idea of having something physically, something tangible that, you know, you can see, you can drive past, look at for decades to come, it just, you know, it, it put a twinkle in my eye, so um, those are a few of the, the checks that I, I marked that, that led me into construction, definitely. Now, when you say um, something that comes to fruition and that you can see it as you drive past, that uh, reminds me of the moment I saw my first legacy wall go up. It was mm-hmm. taking something from my computer to 30 feet on, on a wall. Um, it adhered permanently. I mean, I sat there and I looked at that thing and I said, uh, wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, I mean, wow. It, yeah. It, 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 <laughs> Yeah, you you have all these pieces that you start putting together, you're constructing it, and then all of a sudden you mm-hmm. see the whole thing. And it is absolutely yeah. mind blowing, or it was for me, to realize mm-hmm. that, you know, I had a role in this or I did this. And um mm-hmm. to to your point too, there was a story that I tell a lot of times about my my um cousin that helped me understand the importance of being a part of a team in a construction environment, um, he asked me to take a picture of him standing on um, a railroad track. And I thought he was he was balancing on just one rail, and I thought he looked a little silly as an adult, right? And I said, why? And he said, <laughs> he said, because my granddaddy laid this track. And in one moment, I understood the gravity of that. He had no idea which which rail that his grandfather touched generations ago. Mm. But it didn't matter. He was a part of the team that laid that track that is now a part of history. And so when you are part of that team, you you specifically pulled those people together and you directed them and had you not been leading them, you would have had a Tower of Babylon, you know. <laughs> so That's right. Yeah. It must must be a wonderful feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um we were talking about changes and being things being predictable as far as construction is concerned. Well, we're in unpredictable times right now, even though people are attempting to create models and all kinds of things like that. Um, so what's your take on the current environment we're in with COVID-19 and the changes that you're seeing? What have you noticed, especially as it relates to your projects and ventures? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you, you said it said it best. I mean, in a predictable field like construction, relatively predictable, this is just unprecedented worldwide. So um, I think, as everyone knows, we're sort of taking it in stride and and doing what we can um, with what we have. And um, I would say, you know, we're fortunate that we didn't have to shut down our project. So as far as our project is concerned, we didn't have any um, substantial uh, schedule impacts. But um, there's a ton of just precautionary measures and guidelines that we're having to implement on the day-to-day. Everything the CDC is, is requiring and even suggesting we're putting to work. And, you know, with keeping a project open, you really have to go double time with sanitizing, being on top of things, and making sure that your your workforce is acknowledged, you know, that they're they're putting their health and safety on the line. And because the project isn't shutting down, they can't just say, oh, I'm not going to come in. Um, so it's, I'd say those are the biggest changes is definitely implementing all the safety measures and then um, the, the cherry on top is a modified work plan. So it's been 
uh, a learning experience, I'm sure, for my entire team, but we're trying to, it really does help highlight how important it is to have that relationship built between yourself and your teammates and, um, you know, balancing each other out and helping the other where, where we can't be physically. So that modified work plan has been lately the biggest, the biggest, um, you know, flashing just change I've noticed due to, to the pandemic. Um, but hopefully we'll get back, you know, soon back into normalcy or, or something that resembles normalcy. <laughs> well, you just raised the curiosity for me now. Um, with all of the um, virtual meetings and virtual training and moving from in-classroom to online, uh, there's a I, I can't help but feel that there's an economy of scale by doing that, even in normal times. So do you predict or think or have seen any changes in, in the kinds of buildings that may be planned? I know it might be soon, but do we need as many offices anymore? Right. No, you raise a really great question. And the future is so... It's not that it's unstable, but there are some certainties that haven't been affected by this, uh, by the pandemic, and there are plenty of things that have been put on pause, um, plenty of future projects that are just not, you know, not the focus right now. The focus is not um, trying to boost business. It's trying to maintain it and come out on the other end and then focus on, um, you know, business. Right now it's it's focusing on people. Um, but I I will say that I haven't, it's not like we're at a standstill, you know, I'm fortunate to be with a company that, that has great planning and great um, transparency with what we're doing and how they're handling it. And it's really helped me to, to stay calm and to stay focused on what's here in the now versus trying to predict when something that's so unpredictable will, will come to an end. So that's, a, that's about the, the scope of the impact that I'm seeing so far. So um, when we talk about predictable or change and what have you, I know you made a personal change. What made you move from Houston to where you are? Hmm. It was a hard decision. I, um, I'll say the short answer is work. That's the short answer of it, you know, with work. But the longer answer is that I originally was, my eyes were set on Atlanta. It was somewhere I had been and really enjoyed and could see myself living. And um, it just, that wasn't in the cards at the moment. And second on that list was this mid-Atlantic NCR region. And having grown up in Southern Maryland, it didn't sound so bad coming back and being close to home and rekindling some of the friendships that I had left years before to go to, to university. So um, there was some, some part of me that was drawn to coming home and, and to reconnecting. And uh, it was a rude awakening that had a lot of people were no longer here, you know, had moved somewhere else or had moved just on with their lives in general. You know, my timing isn't their timing. So um, that's it was sort of a, a wake-up call and also another thing that spurned me to to become active with Mabwick, but ultimately I moved here just, you know, for a change of scenery. I do love the four seasons, the four distinct seasons that we have in the East Coast versus the spring and summer in Houston, but 
um, I'm enjoying it. It's been a good move, and I'm, I've really been growing since I've been here. So I'd say I made the right choice in, in taking that leap of faith. So your entrepreneurial um, aspirations, tell me about how you're delivering your services. Is it part of a small business, or is it a corporation? Um, how do people connect with you? In what capacity? Sure. Well, the small business I'm a co-owner of is not construction-related. This is a business that started, um, my boyfriend and I actually started when we met uh, in college in Houston, a custom T-shirt company called Style Unrivaled, and it has just seen so much success over these past four years. I mean, just unprecedented, and I, I'll be the first one to tell you that I didn't, T-shirts were not on my radar. You know, I was construction and I need to start in construction and, you know, I'm, I'm focused on my degree and t-shirts started as sort of a, you know, a, more than a hobby, but just a little side job or a little side hustle, if you will. And it just blossomed, you know, and it didn't blossom overnight. It took a lot of building and learning along the way and, and um, you know, still learning along the way, but we have been blessed and fortunate. We're going on four years of business now. Um, to just see substantial growth every year. So um, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we have a website. Uh, all of that is under Style Unrivaled, and we're the only one with that very unique name, so we're not hard to find. And um, it's just really been, been a blessing and experience, and I know I can take what I'm learning and what I've learned along the way with this small business um, and apply it to the business I aspire to have in construction. Ultimately, it's still my, my passion and where I can see myself working. And, um, yeah, I feel like it's a great, it's been a great learning experience so far. So what are the crossover skills between the construction management and a T-shirt business? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> Um, I would say the crossover. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to make that that crossover. But there are some things that I didn't realize that were in my skill set, um, and there were some things I realized I didn't know that I wasn't good at. You know, I didn't realize that I struggled with. Um, and my boyfriend is that ultimate balance where he really helped to highlight some of those skills that could use some some work. And for example, I'm a detail oriented person, always have been, but with something like t-shirts, if you get, you know, if you spend too much time on the details, you'll never actually produce something. And I feel like that can be applied to a lot of things. Construction, you do want to get down to the details, down to the penny as best as possible. But if you spend too much time with the what ifs and hypotheticals and the plannings, then you never do it. So that has definitely, um, you know, highlighted the importance of just being, being, you know, going out on faith and just trusting that you have done your due diligence and your, your facts make sense and you can move forward with it. Um, so that's a definite skill that will cross over. And as far as building a website and the legalities of starting a business and uh, filing taxes and all that sort of the, the, um, the legal matters, that was a whole learning experience for me that, you know, I've had to teach myself. I had to be very intentional about reaching out and, finding that information and what I realized is it's all at our fingertips. You know, with the internet, you can really do just about anything. And you can, it's amazing how many people you can contact by Googling and, you know, calling up their numbers. So 
that's definitely a transferable skill, just being able to reach out, ask the right questions, and, again, with that proactive thinking of what, what will we run into that might be an issue or what, you know, what sales we need to prepare for. And um, that's also a skill that I, I can definitely see transferring to a construction business. Um, but the list, it grows. <laughs> the list continues to grow every year. So just <laughs> learning and going. <laughs> well, that's called living because if you're not learning and you're not growing, then life is certainly boring or maybe not even existing. But I tell you what, um, this has been a wonderful conversation. I've enjoyed it to the hilt. So thank you very much for, mm-hmm. for agreeing to share your story with us. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Okay, so with that, um, what I'd like to have our chairperson do is to come on and tell us about something that's going to be happening in a few minutes, as I understand it. So, Jada, tell us about what's happening later on today. Okay, yes. So today um, at 12 p.m., which is lunch, 12 noon, we will be having our monthly billion-dollar luncheon. This month it is our billion-dollar luncheon and stimulus opportunities. We will be going Facebook Live from Zoom. This is actually our first virtual billion-dollar luncheon. That is also our first free billion-dollar luncheon. So we are following in the spirit of the leader. is the spirit of the group. So if you could please come join us, um, head over to Eventbrite and register. Um, you will get a guest speaker, exciting polls, um, women in spotlight, our hard hat and um, shirting of new members. Of course, the great information on the billion dollars in opportunities and the heads up on our next South Florida Billion Dollar Luncheon. Um, so, yes, please come over and join us for this month's Billion Dollar Luncheon today at 12 noon. And thank you. That's from our chairperson of Network Talks Committee, um, Jada Williams. Now, at this point, it's time for you to go over and register for the uh, Million Dollar Luncheon. So we're going to let you go. But come back next week because we'll have another great show. Thanks again. Take care. This concludes our show. Thank you for listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction. For more information about NABWIC and our membership, please visit us on the web at www.nabwic.org. We are the voice of black women in construction. Have a great and prosperous day. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.